Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alt Left. We are back in effects, three men strong. This is episode 62. Good news. Um, Matt uh, decided that two kids just wasn't for him, so he got a full refund, sent it back to the store. It's just the original, so now he's back in the studio with us. So how's it going, Matt? Uh, not bad, man. Pretty happy. I'm actually, I didn't do a full return. I'm actually upgrading to a, to a model that's five years old. Uh, you know, skip all the baby stuff and go right into kindergarten. And I'm pretty happy Honestly, with the decision. Smart move. You just save a fortune on diapers, bro. Yeah, didn't even know that was an option until just recently, man. What a time to be alive. Uh, and Great. speaking of um, things that poop their pants, Do- Reverend Dr. K is here. Hey, good evening, everyone. So today we are going to, um, l- l- we've been off for a few weeks, and I got to tell you. Um, are we going to talk about something happy? Yeah, we, we can't leave you people alone for a fucking second, man. I, Matt has a kid, <laughs> and, and, and I go on a couple of guest spots on, on, some, on some other podcasts. We put it on as our episodes. Took a couple weeks off. It was nice, and the fucking world is, is, is on fire. There's war. Um, I, it's just, I, seriously, like we can't leave for a moment. Like We couldn't have had two weeks where shit didn't go down, but um, apparently we can't leave you guys alone. Yeah, no. otherwise World War III starts to break out. Yeah, no shit. So we're back. Don't worry. It's going to be okay, kids. Uh, the All Left Podcast is here with warm cookies and soft cuddles and boring. All five lessons. of you. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, 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 our <laughs> listenership is, is well over a dozen. More than a dozen, huh? Yep. So we're going to be talking about uh, the elephants in the room. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Ukraine and Russia. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Joe Biden's State of the Union mistress. And... Um, Probably going to crack open Matt's now 37-pound mailbag that we haven't touched in weeks. Um, so strap in. It's going to be a good one. I'm happy about it. Uh, I, I am as happy as a liberal in Congress waving Ukrainian flag. How about you guys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you just, oh, my God. During the State of the Union, all the fucking Jesus libs are out Christ. there with their Ukrainian blue and yellow the blue and scarves. Yellow. Oh, my God. It, it really it, it's it's We support remember? Ukraine. Yeah, do you remember the 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 just we whatever Charlie thing where like everyone changed their fucking Facebook picture to a France flag? It's the same. Oh my god! Yep. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is just the whole nation is so swept up in this performative bullshit. And again, I'm I. There are people who genuinely, genuinely are affected by this. They're Ukrainian. Their families in Ukraine. They're Russian, or they're people who are generally interested in this and are people who are active in the anti-war scene. Like, don't get me wrong. You can be an American and genuinely give a shit about Ukraine. And I say this to probably damn near everyone listening because seriously, the whole country has gone mad with this shit. If you're finding yourself constantly shitposting online about how you stand with Ukraine and how Russia man bad. There is no black and white. It doesn't work that way. If you look at the history of Ukraine and Russia and the United States involvement in the last decade, everyone's a bastard. Yeah. Okay. Everyone is. And and we have to stop with this binary mentality that like, oh, Russia did a bad thing and therefore you, Ukraine are the good guys. And it's like, no, no. First of all, Ukraine are not the good guys, but neither are the Russians. And I hate to break it to you, we're the worst of all of them. Before you're changing your profile pictures to Ukrainian flags, a flag that you've never laid eyes on before this last week, uh, in a country you didn't even know how to spell, you had to look it up online, um, and you know no history about it, like take it, take a deep 
breath before you buy into all this statist propaganda, because that's that's what the Internet and mainstream media are being flooded with. You're being flooded with propaganda about these brave Ukrainian fighters fending off the Russian juggernaut. And there's a nugget of truth to that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know about you guys. Like, there is definitely no, there, there a big piece of me that, yeah, that's cheering these fucking guys on. And, and I wish the Ukraine and the U.S. situation wasn't a Nazi clusterfuck or else I'd really actually be able to get on their side on this one. But the fact of the matter is there is something to be said for it. How do we rectify this cheering on these rebel fighters, right? That they're they're up against an unstoppable war machine, their native land is being invaded, and that there is nothing better than throwing Molotov cocktails and rocks at tanks. And the same people are against Palestine being invaded by Israel, and they don't give a shit about the crisis in Yemen. Like, my question is, how do you guys see that? Like, am I am I the only one here? Am I screaming into the void or because no one else seems to really be agreeing with the hypocrisy on this one? I I definitely don't think that you're screaming into the void on this. Um, But I think the 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 sensationalization, the images that we're seeing of, you know, grandma laying on the ground holding an AK-47 or the the two mother and daughter you know, stuffing styrofoam into uh, bottles to make Molotov cocktails. Like there's imagery there that we don't see on the other side with, with Palestine that it resonates to us for some reason. And so we have this ability to see this and get behind it because, you know, Russia is the big baddie and yeah, they are, there was, they didn't need to do this. They did it because, reasons that I'm sure we'll go into, but it's it's an easy thing to say, oh, well, Russia's bad. Russia's the bad guy. Russia's the aggressor. They're the ones that are causing this. You know, I, I think for me, that's that's what it really comes down to is imagery. It comes down to the narrative. And you, you don't see it when you when it comes to Palestine, not in the same manner. Yeah, Kay's got a good point. I, I mean, for for me, and this is one of the one of the gaps that I'll fully admit here is when it comes to to foreign policy, this is one of my biggest gaps. Mostly because, and again, this is going to sound terrible because it's such an American viewpoint, but I don't care. Like, there's so much other shit going on in my world in my country that that has got the majority of my focus. Now, the difference I think between me and most other Americans is, you know, I actually don't. I try not to make a, a conclusion until I've actually looked into the issue, so I understand all sides of it, but. The American propaganda machine is fucking incredible, and they've done a phenomenal job, them and the Israeli propaganda machine, of painting Palestine as nothing but a country of terrorists. Like, that's really what, like, I think we, until I started looking into it, when we started having these, like, 9-11 happened, I started looking into the, the, the complexities of the Middle East and things like that, I firmly was just under the impression that, it, like, like, I think I thought for a while that, like... Uh, Israel belonged to to the Jewish people and they were just trying to take their country back from these invading people that were just a bunch of terrorists that wanted to kill everyone, including Americans, especially like that's what I think most Americans have this viewpoint. And I think especially with, you know, this situation, like Kay was saying, 
Russia bad has been like it's ingrained in the U.S. It's like the like normalizing things like the Pledge of Allegiance and in God we trust in our currency in a country that's supposed to have separation of church and state. Like these are things that that should go get like buck like rub against our our sensibilities, but they don't because they've been painted as normal. Like everybody, like if you ask most Americans, they're like, well, of course we support Israel because Palestine is just a bunch of terrorists. Of course we support support Ukraine, you know, because Russia is an evil communist country, you know, and it's like I think Kay also hit on something else that's important it becomes increasingly easy to support this because here's the thing what russia is doing is wrong and this is my viewpoint from what i've seen russia is the bad guy in this now russia being the bad guy in no way makes ukraine the good guy or the u.s the good guy but because we have a clear bad guy in this i think it's easy for everyone to just line up behind the one that's being attacked by the bad guy you know? that's exactly what i was talking about yeah, and, and it doesn't help that Vladimir Putin is is quite literally a Bond villain come to life. Um, he, he's <laughs> he a bad is, dude. Like, unhinged. Well, like, uh, and disagree. the fact that he's ex-KGB I don't, I don't think is something is at all unhinged. Uh, yeah, Vladimir I don't Putin mean, is far he's more like, psychotic, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's psychotic. Okay. I think he's very methodical. Um, I just think he's evil. And what I mean by unhinged is that he is, like, he is evil. He is... He really is the big baddie. He really is a Bond villain, like you put it. Yeah, he's like uh, sociopathic. Might be the better term for me to use. Sorry, yeah. I was I was thinking yeah, of psychopathic. Sure, he, yeah. he's I'll take sociopathic. He's basically Russian George Bush Senior. I mean, if yeah. you follow the life no, and yeah. deeds of George Bush, they're exactly the same. These are guys who came up. These are spooks who came up from the intelligence agency and seized control yeah. of the nation. Um, yeah, and they are. Took over entire. The only difference is that George Bush killed way more people. And he yeah, did but he was American, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyone yeah. who's upset at Russians invading the Ukraine and looting a grocery store should really take a look at the the uh, death squads and rape gangs that we sent through uh, El Salvador in the eighties. That was that was George Bush and Ronald Reagan. That's what the Republican Party did. They spent an entire uh, presidency um, destroying. Uh, Guatemala and uh, El Salvador, especially El Salvador. That's that, that's where yep. the Iran Contra comes from. But that was that was for American interests, so it's okay. You know, I, I made a post about it. And people got all butt hurt about it. It was like we stand on stolen fucking land from genocide in a nation that, in this very decade, has invaded three sovereign nations. Like we invaded Iraq, we invaded Afghanistan, we completely destroyed and regime changed Libya. Like, we'd just love to forget about that shit. We fucking funded the Arab Spring. Uh, by the way, this whole Ukraine thing is happening because of the United States funding and regime change bid. That's what we do. And then we have the balls to stand up here and say, hey, that 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 Putin guy, he's uh, he's no good. And is there truth to that? Yeah, Putin is no good. He's, he's, a, he's a bad dude um, who's doing some bad things. But everyone else is kind of worse, and that's why I don't even fall into the market of what Putin, that Putin is the biggest villain here, because I actually don't think he is. Putin's a bad guy. He really is. Um, and that's the problem is I ha- it's like the U.S. the U.S. propaganda machine is so intense that you have to qualify any statement you make talking about Ukraine or the United States policy in this with, well, and don't get me wrong, Russia's bad. Like, I have to qualify it with that. Or everyone's like, oh, you're a Russian spy and a bot and you're a Putin stan. It's like, no, Putin's right. a piece of shit. He's a murdering maniac and I do not like him at all. But I think we need to take a good look at at, at why he's doing it because everyone just thinks, oh, Putin just wants land. And what was that one senator who said he wants land because they're a communist country? 
Yeah. Well, here's, but here's the thing I do from what I've read about it. And again, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions on this episode. So get ready. Cause I know Chris has the info and I don't, but the, the, the condensed version from what I've read is there's no natural land barriers between Europe and Russia. Like there's none. And the countries that Putin typically goes after or tries to keep within his borders are the ones that will prevent like in Putin's eyes, he sees like NATO and NATO countries as the aggressor, specifically Europe, right? And mm-hmm. so by having these countries within NATO, it's effectively effectively giving NATO like free access to if they wanted to come into Russia, they could through like Ukraine and these other countries, right? Like that's mm-hmm. been one of the things that's been part of this dispute is like because there's no natural borders, keeping control of these countries is, is completely important to Putin because it's a buffer between Russia and the NATO countries, right? And you got to keep in mind that there are certain events and times that nations are almost like people. They have trauma responses, right? Um, if anybody tries to take away our guns or allocate our taxes to helping the poor, the United States freaks out. You know, look at Israel, right? Israel is a it's an apartheid fascist regime, and Israel is a terrible country. Um, and again, just here's that propaganda machine. You have to qualify it with, I am not anti-Semitic. Um, hate to break it to you, not religiously, but biologically, I'm Jewish. Come from a long line of Jews, most of whom died in the Holocaust. Do not have a problem with Jews, not an anti-Semite at all. I'd rather hang out with a Jew than a Christian any day. But Israel is a terrible nation. It is an apartheid state that com- that is currently committing a genocide on stolen land. But why is that? Well, oh, they're bad. They're evil. It's like it's not that two dimensional. There's a reason for that. This is you're talking about a, a a culture that has not only gone through a lot of shit in the last few centuries, but then just recently went through a fucking holocaust. You got to understand why the survivors of that kind of had this fucking never again mentality, and I don't blame them for it. I get it. I get why Zionism took off. Do I agree with the theft of Palestine? Fuck no. But I get it. It's human. It makes sense. I understand it. Um, jihadists are terrible. Like, uh, you know, suicide bombing a building full of civilians is an awful, awful thing, and it should not be excused. But I get it. When your children got their legs blown off by a drone strike and you watched your wife die of a preventable disease and your parents died of starvation, at a certain point, it's just fuck all these bastards and you do something and you do something reckless and stupid and cruel because that is what your life has become. Is it okay? No, but I get it. And it's the same with Russia. Russia is a frozen, long plain, a place that has some very, very fertile farmland in the southwest, which is the place that's always contested that they're fighting in right now, and then a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of fucking snow. And everyone from the Romans to the Germans to the French have marched into Russia and started some shit. And Russia has learned to have barrier states. This is, again, this is kind of the Trump's run. It doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean it's okay to set up pupper governments as your buffer zones, but they're really fucking tired of the Germans marching in. And I kind of get it. Um, and to say that, well, it's that world, you know, World War II is over. You don't got to worry about that. Germany is 100% in charge of the EU. Like, you got to remember, World War II ended, but the Germans conquered Europe. Like, that, that is what happened. Through the the power Germans of money. took over. Yeah, banks instead of tanks. That's how they figured it out. And here's the thing. 
the Germans are actually pretty fucking good at it. They got rid of the Hitler guy. They got rid of the Nazis. And it turns out they're they're really good at accounting um, and efficiency. And and they're, now we can make some some. I have some criticisms about the EU, especially things like what they've done to Ireland and Greece. The EU is not good. They are not altruistic. In fact, they are quite cruel to lesser nations. But it's efficient. And that's the most German thing in the world. So you can see why Russia's apprehensive of this. And now let's take a step further. What is NATO, right? Like, you guys know offhand what NATO stands for? It's the North Atlantic North Treaty Amer- Organization. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which what is long <laughs> form for fuck Russia. That's yeah, all it means. NATO was established after World War II to stop Russian expansion. I mean, the, the term the Iron Curtain is from Winston Churchill after he got thrown out of office because he wanted to start World War III. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. His plan was to arm, rearm the Nazi military and march them into Russia. That's what he wanted. No one hated fucking Russia more than Winston fucking Churchill. <clears throat> so that failed. He got thrown out of office. And... Um, he went around the world with his Iron Curtain speech, saying an Iron Curtain has descended across Europe and the Russians are going to kill us all and eat our babies and try to contact us about our car's extended warranties. It's going to be awful. Um, and too? Yeah, it's, it's Russians, baby. They're behind fucking everything, it turns out. Goddamn Ruskies. Yeah. So anyway, but that's what NATO is. NATO is the Screw Russia Military Alliance, right? It is the United States, France, England, and a whole bunch of our friends. And that's all it is. It is literally white people and friends against Russia. That is NATO. And you can understand why Russia's not a big fan of that. And and Russia did their own thing. Sorry, Kate, did I make you choke with that one? (laughs) Damn near. (laughs) For those of you who can't see our camera feed, Kate almost died drinking that while I said that. Um, but yeah, like, um, the, the rush, the Soviet union did the same thing. They started what's called the Warsaw pact. Right. And they kind of made their own NATO. They were like, okay, well, we're going to get our friends together. And that was countries like the Ukraine and all mm-hmm. the other Slavic states like Estonia and Romania and the, Ch- the Czechoslovakia now is the Czech Republic at the time was Czechoslovakia and a whole bunch of other fucking countries um, that is this this buffer zone that we're we're talking about right now this buffer zone that Putin wants that we think sucks and I agree it does suck but that's what it was is the Soviet Union gobbled up these states as a well if Europe comes for us again they got to kill a whole bunch of Ukrainians before they get here and also, the Ukrainians have a lot of oil and wheat, and that's pretty awesome because we got cold people. So they took Ukraine, and Ukraine and Russia have an incredibly long history of war. I mean, honestly, what you could consider as modern Russia started in Kiev. Like, the Ukraine is the birthplace of Russian culture, and many Ukrainians consider themselves Russian by culture. It is definitely not all of them. Uh, but it is it is less than half, but it is a big chunk of the Ukraine sees themselves as Russians. Well, and those people are primarily like along that western edge of Ukraine. Eastern, but yeah. Whereas, yeah. Uh, Eastern, pardon me, Eastern. Anyway. Wait, yeah, you're right. It, it is divided like that. And yeah, the further west you go, the the more European, I guess, they see themselves. Uh, so that makes sense, you know, and that actually is something that Putin has kind of said, you know, as we're here liberating these parts of of Ukraine that consider themselves to be Russian. And and that's where it's not so good, you know, and, and people like to make a lot of comparisons to Hitler. And I think that's hyperbolic and stupid. 
But that's the one that I'll let slide because that that is he is literally asking for fucking Liebenstrom right there. Like he is asking for living mm-hmm. space for Russians. And that is the exact same excuse that Hitler used to move into the Rhineland, to move into Poland, was that these are native Germans who are being oppressed by all those terrible Jews and communists. And we're liberating them. And we're liberating them. And that's what that's the excuse that, that he used in Crimea, and it's the excuse he's using now. And it, that is the excuse of oppressors. Um, again, Russia, bad. My, Russia, not bad. Putin, bad. Authoritarianism, bad. But that is the the typical excuse. But we have to look at what has kind of caused this, right? Because this has been going on for a few years now. Um, this hasn't been on a lot of people's radar. But we, we got to remember that this has been going on for, God, over a decade, right? Uh, it kind of goes back to 2008, right? In, in 2000, it actually goes back to the end of the Cold War. Right? The Soviet Union collapses in the Yeah, 80s. 30 years ago when... Yeah, and Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, and they gained their independence from Russia, had an election, voted on it. They did not want to be part of the Russian Federation. They wanted to be their own nation. So they made a deal that they wouldn't join NATO, and they gave all the nukes back to Russia. And things have been, for the most part, pretty chill. Uh, Russia spent decades trying to kind of rebuild, because, you know, the collapse of the Soviet Union was pretty nasty. So Russia... Uh, has been chilling with, you know, again, Ukraine has not been part of Russia recently, even though it has been historically a lot. It's also been independent for some of it, you know. Ukraine has been doing its own thing. It has been very Russia-friendly. Um, again, they're neighboring states. Um, Ukraine has also been pretty German-friendly. It's actually one of the things that would happen when Biden was trying to do these sanctions, is everyone yeah. was going, yeah, sanction And Germany was like, uh, that's where we get all of our oil from. So no, we don't want to freeze. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> The Ukraine and Germany have pretty friendly relations. They're trading partners, they're borders. And the Ukraine and Russia have friendly relations. And the government isn't pretty pro-Russia. Because, again, Russia was like, yeah, have your independence. We're cool. They shared a lot of banks. They shared a lot of oligarchs. There's a lot of resources that go back, a lot of trading that happens. And something else to remember, Russia has a whole bunch of seaports that all freeze. Yeah. And so come the cold months, when Russians need food... That needs to come through the southern port. That's the only one left open to them that doesn't freeze over. And that's that's the Crimean Peninsula. That's where that that's why that happened. Russia gets all their food and trade out of that one giant seaport because it's the only way you can get ships into in the wintertime. And why is that important? Because in, in 2008, NATO began this weird push to get Ukraine. Now, do we have a smoking gun of why? No, Ukraine has oligarchs and they got a shit ton of oil and they're on the border of Russia where, again, since 2008, the happy post-Cold War friendliness has kind of faded a bit where we're not doing so hot with Russia anymore. It's not war. It's not a Cold War, but you know we're not, we're not hugging it out like we are with Europe. And so, yeah, in 2008, uh, NATO did what's called a, um, it's called a map. It's a membership action plan, which is you're not a member yet, but now we are, we're setting this out. We're setting up the steps, right? Like when you start a new job and you're going to go to job training, you know, where we are, we have given you an offer. We want you to come in and we're going to set up the steps you need to do to fill out your paperwork and get your shit together to eventually join, right? This is a bad thing. Russia's not fucking happy about this. Uh, Because again, Russia doesn't like having enemies at their border especially German enemies. And that's what they fear would happen with NATO. Because again, who has fucked over Russia in recent history? The United States and Germany. And they are the ones running NATO. 
So it mm-hmm. makes sense. So anyway, but this kind of got shelved. It, it, it was laid out. It was put out there and it just kind of held in limbo. Um, and then in 2010, they had an election. And that's where a guy named Viktor Yanukovych, and he was the last democratically elected um, uh, president for a few years. Um, he was, again, he didn't want the country to align with. He was Russian friendly and he thought joining NATO would be a provocation and that would put us right in the middle of a shit sandwich. And no, that, that's mm-hmm. a bad idea. Uh, so he didn't want to do it. It's it's important to know that his big supporters were Crimeans, who, again, Crimeans are mostly ethnic Russian and view themselves as Russian. Uh, they are on that east or they're the, they're the southeast corner of Ukraine. They consider most of them consider themselves very Russian and they were a big chunk of his voting block. So anyway, fast forward three years, November 2013, um, there, there's large scale protests all over uh, the country because of this guy, because of Yanukovych's refusal to sign um, an official like political association. So wait, the, the, the country EU. as a whole wanted it. Is that why there were such big pro- protests? No, or some of the country wanted it. Some of the country didn't. That's thing is the Ukraine has an issue, a situation kind of like ours, where they're a deeply divided nation, not right and left like we are, but more like European Russian. Half the country kind of sees itself as Russian, and the other half sees itself as European. Is it like a 50 split or is there a, a swing one way or the other? Uh, it's not a 50 50. It's kind of more of a three way. There's I like think a third it's more of the country. regional than, than anything. It is. But even in general populace, again, there's like a third of the country that's like, we are super Russian. There's a third of the country that's like, we are super Ukrainian and independent. And there's also like a big chunk of the country that's like, no, we're Europeans and we should be in the EU and that kind of thing. And so it's, it's a really split nation. Um, There is no Ukrainians believe in this. It's like, no, they're really divided on it. So anyway, so yeah. So, but because he didn't sign the association with the EU in 2013. And again, it wasn't technically his fault. Um, The Ukrainian Supreme Council, it's called the Rada. It's basically their version of Congress. They didn't sign it. And so the president couldn't sign it either, but he didn't want to either. Like it was kind of neither one of them wanted to do this. And they didn't sign a free trade agreement with the EU, which would have, you know, again, brought them into the European Union and forced them into their trade laws and that kind of thing. The government supported the president doing this, right? The Rada and all branches were like, no, the president's right. And these protests got pretty nasty. Kunovich, his quote here is they were threatening political stability in the country. And that's where, ooh, that doesn't sound like it's a good thing for a leader to say. And the Crimean Autonomous Parliament, which is, again, kind of like a state government like we would have here. They said they support the government's decision to suspend negotiations on the association with the EU. Right. So you've got the country already kind of split three ways on this issue. And, and, and it starts getting nasty. So then one more year goes by and then you get February 2014. And here's where shit really hits the fan. The, the, the protests get worse and worse and worse. Right. And the riot police start getting fucking lethal. Nothing like we have a George Floyd. They start fucking shooting people in these clashes. 130 people die. 18 of them are cops. And that very same month in February 2014, the president is ousted uh, illegally, by the way, in order to get rid of the president and suspend the Constitution, the entire Rada would have to be there, or at least a majority. And they were not. Most of them had fled because it was basically January 6th, but it worked is what actually happened. Um, they were held under duress of armed protesters to eliminate the president and again, and suspend the constitution of the country. Like it was really bad. It's like January 6th, a far right protest movement literally stormed the fucking Capitol, threw out the president and suspended the constitution. This is not hyperbolic. A lot of these people are actual Nazis. 
This would be like if the um, if the Oath Keepers came in force and stormed the Capitol and grabbed 20 of the con- of the Senate as everyone else fled, held them at gunpoint and forced them to eliminate Joe Biden and suspend the Constitution of the United States. What's that is the kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But imagine if they'd fucking succeeded. Yeah. That's the hell that Ukraine that you, the Ukraine was lit part of. So that's what they, they went through. So this guy named Arsenal, uh, I'm going to I'm going to butcher the name, right? Uh, Yatsenyuk was uh, appointed by the Rada to serve as the head of a caretaker government. Right? It's a provincial government until new elections could be happened. And and side note here, this is this is where it starts to become that we're also the baddies. Lots of credible allegations have arisen that the U.S. helped this. Um, this was a far right. Nazi ultranationalist movement. Yeah, sorry, uh, Yatsenyuk. Uh, he was favored to lead Ukraine by the United States, and we actually had a recording of this that got intercepted by the press. I mean, Al Jazeera's on this, the BBC's on this. You can find this in any credible news source. Um, the recording was intercepted, and the Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Newland, under uh, under Obama at the time, I'm sure you know this name, told the U.S. ambassador in Ukraine, uh, and his name was Joffrey Piat. Uh, and and their quote is Yats the guy talking of and which says Yats is talking about Yatsenyuk. Uh, we literally handpicked the provincial the the president of the provincial government of the Ukraine after we funded and armed far right protesters. This is not Russian involvement. Russia didn't like this at all. Uh, the United States funded and sent these guys in, encouraged them to do this, and then we handpicked their next leader. That's not good. Sounds about right. And there's more. Uh, there's, uh, when this happens, when this provincial government takes over, this is where you'll hear a lot of people like, oh, the Ukrainians are Nazis. And some like, oh, they're not Nazis. There's a couple of bad people. And that's it. It's like the problem is the government is filled with these guys. So there's a guy named Andrzej Parby. Uh, he, he's an outspoken, unrepentant neo-Nazi. Uh, he was promoted to chairman of the Verik Noya Radom. Uh, basically, that's the equivalent of Speaker of the House. So he was basically Nancy Pelosi. Or you could say Mitch McConnell, because it's the Speaker of the Parliament. It's only one house. So he is in charge of the Congress, right? And he's also one of the leaders of the maiden protest that overthrew the democracy that they used to have. But he's not an anomaly either. It's not just this one guy who joins them and gets put in charge. The interim president we were talking about, Yatsenyuk, um, Mm -hmm. here's where it gets really good. So in January of 2015, he did a broadcast on a show called Tagesthem. It's it's a German one. It's it's the main newscast of Germany's public television channel. So it's like their NPR. Uh, He went on Germany's NPR and basically said that in World War II, Germany and Ukraine were the innocent victims of Russia. Um, This guy's very anti-union. Yeah. Uh, He claims that the the Russians invaded uh, the Ukraine and Germany and they started the war. That the Soviet Union are the ones who came after poor, innocent, but innocent Germany and innocent Ukraine. And for those of you who don't who don't know your history, it's not just that Hitler started the war, but Nazi Germany invaded the Ukraine in the war in the early stages of that Eastern Front. So the first things they did is how they got to Russia was they went right through the Ukraine um, and they committed brutal genocidal programs. Um, they exterminated a shit ton of Jews, anyone who was ethnically Slavic. Uh, communists, um, uh, uh, Roma people, uh, homosexuals, anyone, anyone who wasn't a fucking Nazi was getting killed in the Ukraine. The Ukraine was liberated by the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union are the ones who went in there and pushed the Nazis out of the Ukraine when they could have avoided it. They actually went and took over the Ukraine and got rid of the Nazis. But this this asshole is literally saying that um, Stalin uh, came in and attacked them and poor innocent Nazi Germany. 
This is the president of Ukraine that is doing this, going on national television in Germany, defending Nazis and rewriting history to be anti-Russian. And you don't have to do that because recent Russian history isn't great. Again, no. Russia did some terrible things around World War II before it and after it. There was, you know, they, they had fucking gulags. Like, there's a lot of awful shit you can say about Russia. You don't need to make up history to say bad things about Russia. So it's not just the president. It's not just the head of the Congress. Uh, Interior Minister Arsen Akhavov's a Nazi. Uh, he appointed another outspoken fascist, Vadim Trojan. He's the chief of police for Kiev in 2014. So we have a Nazi chief of police. We have a Nazi head of parliament. A Nazi president. You see, see where we're going with here. See, you see a trend. Yeah. And again, and, when and I this say isn't Nazi, just labels you're assigning them. This, these are literal Nazis. Like, yes, right? yes, these are outspoken, admitted Nazis and fascists who are unrepentant of those titles. This guy, who's the chief of police, was another outspoken Nazi. He was the commander of an extreme right wing uh, volunteer battalion that you may have heard of in the news, called Azov. These are guys who, you've seen them when people talk about the Nazis that are fighting in Ukraine. That's the Azov Battalion. These guys wear helmets with swastikas. These guys have SS lightning bolts on their official patches and flags for their battalion. This isn't like, oh yeah, some asshole drew lightning bolts on his helmet. Like Their official logo is the fucking SS lightning bolts. Mm -hmm. They wave flags. They wave not only Nazi Germany red swastika flags, but they also wave Ukrainian flags with a swastika embossed onto it. Okay. And these guys went through and did crazy crimes against humanity in Crimea, uh, killing people, slaughtering people, anti Muslim programs, anti Jewish programs. Uh, there's a reason the Crimeans are really fucking tired of the Ukrainian government right now. Um, and it's why when Putin said he's going to walk in there and they're going to cheer him on, they did. Like, that's why we don't see this resistance. When Putin walked into Crimea and took it over, most of the population was actually pretty pumped about it. The United States was pissed. All of this. So post-coup Ukraine, right? Uh, it's incredibly hospitable to neo-Nazis and fascists. Um, so this this neo-Nazi militia we're talking about, the Azov Battalion, uh, they have, after this, they get incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard. So again, this isn't some crazy pants oath keeper fringe group. Imagine if literally, imagine if, uh, if, if Joe Biden went and said Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and the Klan are all getting lumped together and they're getting their own battalion of of of, of white people only in, in the National Guard. Like, imagine if there was a Ku Klux Klan battalion of the National Guard that received funding, support, and legitimacy. That's what happened here. The Azov got incorporated in the National Guard and not just split or not just say, oh, okay, you guys can shoot for us so you can mix. No, they got to keep their own battalion. Um, and here's the fun part. Guess who's been training them? Take a guess, guys. I'll take the United States for 300. Yep. The United States has been funding and personally training the Nazi battalion of the Ukraine government. That is absolutely correct. And by the way, this isn't like secret shit. It, this has been in Congress. Several congressmen have come out and said, these guys are Nazis. We need to make it illegal. Um, and it actually was. It was blocked for a very short time. Um, but don't worry, that that got taken away. The United States voted against that when we started hating Putin a little more, and we resumed funding and training of actual Nazis in the Ukraine. Uh, and by the way, the, the commander, and just in case you're, again, if you're wondering if this is hyperbolic, 
Um, the commander of the Azov Battalion is a guy named Andrzej Bilensky, and uh, he told the British Telegraph newspaper, here's a quote from him, the historical mission of our nation in these crucial times is to lead the white races of the world in the final crusade for their survival. That Real is a stand-up quote. guy, huh? Yeah, this is, this is the head of the Azov Battalion. I want to read that to you one more time. The historical mission of our nation in these crucial times is to lead the white races of the world in the final crusade for their survival. The only way that sounds scarier is if it's in German. Tell me that doesn't sound like the 14 words of Hitler where he talks about the white races needing to protect their children. Oh, no, totally. I was going to say, yeah. Like, I mean, that, but that language has been prominent in, in, in white nationalist movements forever. It's this idea that white white culture and white white people in general are under attack by literally everyone else and the only way for them to survive i mean that what's that one asshole that got punched publicly and has never come uh spencer spencer richard spencer yeah, th- yeah. that was a big thing of his like the only way he like it was all of those same talking points for his stuff and, but but he pivoted the reason that he got such big play was because he tried to pivot to this idea of like well non-violence but we just want our own nation away from all the other brown people yep but there's no pivot here they basically hate Jews and they want to protect the white race and they are here to announce that publicly and unabashedly. Oh yeah. They, they want a full on race war. Yeah. So when these guys were new as a battalion, uh, they fought on the front lines against pro-Russian separatists in Donetsk. Um, and that's Donetsk is the, the Eastern region of Ukraine. It's that border region that's right near Russia. And, and just before launching the invasion, that's the area that Putin recognized independence of where he was like, these are the Russians and, we need living space and blah, 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 Russian bullshit. That's where he's talking about is the area that Azov has been torturing and fighting. They've been literally shooting rockets at civilians. You know, we're really upset that civilians have been killed. That's all Azov has done. Before this happened, a few months, this is another little side note for Azov. A few months after recapturing the port city of Maripol from Russian separatists, uh, the that's when the unit was officially integrated into the National Guard of Ukraine, right? And this wasn't done under the cloak cutter of night. This was celebrated. The president at the time, another name I'm going to butcher, uh, Petro Poroshenko, he wrote his quote is, these are our best warriors. He gave them an award. This is in 2014, right? This is right after the coup. And he said, these are our best warriors, our best volunteers, and then made them part of the National Guard. So anyway, now we're at post-coup Ukraine, right? So let's fast forward to 2018, just a couple of years ago. Azov rolls out what they call their street patrol. Uh, in uh, in Ukrainian, it is National Druzunya. Oh, street patrols are never good. If you if you got white yeah. nationalists and street patrols is not a good mix make. <laughs> right? Tell me this isn't the fucking brown shirts. And their mission is to quote restore order in the capital. This is 2018. Nothing is disordered. Everything's fucking peachy keen. I mean, there's Nazis in power. That's not great. But there's nothing's on fire or or, or being invaded. Um, but they need to restore order. And what does that mean? Well, they carried out pogroms. Again, this is back to you know the shit the Soviet Russia. They carried out actual pogroms against Jews, the Roma community, and they uh, attacked and killed a shit ton of gay people. Uh, I'm not familiar with the word pogrom, but I'm assuming it means some sort of like search out and like capture uh, thing. Uh, pogrom, pogroms are what the the Russians did. Um, so shortly after World War II, Russia became a pretty good place to be Jewish, and then Stalin took over. And Stalin was the son of a bitch, and he joined in the anti-Semitism that was sweeping through Europe. Soviet pogroms were kind of like crystal knocks. They would go through Russian areas of town, smash windows, beat people up, sometimes they'd throw people in jail. Uh, They'd just go through a town and persecute the shit out of the Jewish people, uh, and Roma people and gay people. 
Gotcha. Uh, okay. they, they went and did some Nazi shit. It's basically yeah. what they would do. Um, and that's what these guys did. In 2016, a, there's a, actually a UN report from the High Commissioner for Human Rights uh, where they said the Azov Regiment, they, they charged the Azov Regiment for violating international humanitarian law. And their report details, I've got a quote here, incidents of a period from November 2015 to February 2016 where Azov had embedded their weapons and forces in U and used civilian buildings, displaced residents after looting civilian properties. The report also accused the battalion of raping and torturing detainees in the region. These are their own people. This would be like the National Guard doing this in Denver. So this is what this Azov battalion is. So when you hear people say like, oh, it's not a big deal. Stop talking about Azov. This is what we're talking about. This is a squad of Nazi brown shirts that is doing the government's bidding. On that note, though, like one of the, the big things I've heard in response to this is like painting, pointing to, um, shit, I just blanked on his name, uh, the president now, Zelensky. Vladimir Zelensky. Vladimir Zelensky. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of people are pointing to him and saying, well, he's Jewish now and he's in power and he's stopping all that stuff. So now it doesn't matter, I think is one of the uh, arguments I saw thrown around a lot during uh, your post. Netanyahu's Jewish and he's a fascist. Being Jewish makes it hard to be a Nazi. Doesn't mean you can't be a fascist, and there is a difference. Well, I, I, I agree with that, but I guess my question to you then is: is what has been his stance on this group? Like, are, are they still in power under him? Or yes. So, so here's the thing: Zelensky's walking this fine line. He hasn't been president for long. Um, he was actually a famous actor for portraying the president. So it'd be kind of like if Martin Sheen um, became the president after playing in The West Wing. Yeah, he he was in a. Ukrainian TV show where he played a uh, a guy who became the president, like a teacher who became the president. And then he ran for president. Yeah, and then he ran for president, which he yeah. apparently got like 72% of the vote. Doesn't that yeah. sound a little, seem a little fishy to you? Uh, I'm actually not surprised. Um, that doesn't no. seem that fishy. Here's the thing. I'm not, I don't, I don't know shit about the Ukrainian electoral process. It could yeah, be rigged as hell. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not refuting you. If you've got something to on that, no, I, no, no, I got nothing. I, it was just seventy-two seemed a yeah. lot. But what we have is a country that's only a few years after basically a January sixth revolution, right? You got a yeah. bunch of Nazis in power, and you got a guy who is a not an actual Nazi. So that makes people who don't like Nazis pretty happy. But yeah. he's very nationalistic, and he hates fucking Russia, which yeah. makes the Nazis kind of happy. So he actually walked a fine line of kind of pleasing both sides. Fair enough. I know he does condemn Nazis. He is he is not one of them at all. I don't know how actual practicing Jewish he is, but yes, he does come from Jewish stock at minimum. And yeah, he has straight up said, well, I am not a Nazi. I don't believe in Nazis. Fuck Nazis. Um, and that's great. And maybe if the world's worst dick measuring contest didn't just happen, we might have been able to see him clean up the region a little bit. You know what's funny about that? Side note, um, that is still more than uh, fuckface down in Florida was ever able to do when questioned about whether or not Nazis are bad. Yep. Ron DeSantis yeah. was actually asked to condemn Nazis and got pissed he and asked why he was being attacked. Yeah. yeah, because he won't, because half the Nazis vote for him. Yep. That's his voting block. Yeah, the United States has a Nazi problem. There's a not the, the world has a Nazi problem currently. There's a far-right fascist wave sweeping the world. Just like in the 70s, we had a super left-wing wave that swept the world, or at least a liberal wave. Right now, we're having a fascist wave, and that's just how it works. It's gotten really popular, and every developed nation in the world is currently having a fucking Nazi problem. Which is, which is really ironic, because so many of them swear they hate Nazis, 
But like when you start describing fascism to them, they think it's a great idea. You know, it just it blows yeah. me away. I know because fa- the thing is, fascism and authoritarianism walk a very similar path. Well, we discussed this before. They're attractive. They're attractive, but they, I mean, they're almost the same thing. They're siblings. You know, again, Putin, for instance, people keep calling Putin a Nazi. Putin is not a Nazi and Putin is not a fascist. Putin is an authoritarian dictator and an oligarch. He's a bad dude, but he's not a fascist. And the difference is just like authoritarian figures, fascists believe in ultranationalism, heavy militarization, uh, control of state media, all these things, right? These are things that both authoritarian leaders and fascists believe in. What, what really differentiates fascism is there has to be an other. There has to be an other that resides along racial sometimes religious, but usually racial lines. And that's kind of the difference. Again, that's what makes the United States fascist is we're a military loving country obsessed with getting rid of Mexicans and Muslims. These are the other, these are the bad guys used to be the, used to be the communists. They're gone. And so now we have to worry about Brown people. Uh, Russia doesn't do that. Russia doesn't have a problem with different races of people. Now, are there racist Russians? Of course. In fact, there's a lot of racist Russians. Many Russian people are extremely racist. And if you go to any country that has a very ultra-skewed population of one color, you'll find that. You'll find that in Asian countries, in African countries, and anywhere. Yeah. If the they whole country is really one anti-LGBTQ. They are. You know who's worse? Ukraine. <laughs> I yeah. believe it. In the Soviet Union, uh, you can be jailed for protesting on behalf of uh, of human rights for gay people. And again, when I say jailed, this isn't you're put in holding. It's just no, you're, you're beaten and tortured and sometimes killed. Um, in the Ukraine, they don't even worry about that process. They just send brown shirts to come and burn down your house and kill you. It's And that's been the funniest thing is watching people say, standing with our LGBTQ brothers in Ukraine against the Russians. And it's like... Do you have any idea what the Ukrainians do to gay people? It's like fucking cold in Uganda. So this is what these guys are doing, these brown shirts. And again, this isn't just back then. Not that long ago, the um, the official Twitter of the Ukrainian National Guard. This is the official Twitter, right? This isn't some breakaway. This is the actual National Guard's Twitter of Ukraine. Posted an Azov video. Uh, and they, the video was just one of the head Azov fighters. And he was just dipping his bullets into pig fat. And oh. speaking to the camera, and when you translate what he said in Ukrainian, he says, Dear Muslim brothers, in our country, you will not go to heaven. You will not be allowed into heaven. Go home, please. Here you will encounter trouble. Thank you for your attention. Goodbye. As he's dipping his bullets in pig fat so that when they go and shoot Muslims, they won't get into heaven. Mm-hmm. That's Real the National Guard, guy. endorsed by the government, paid by the government, paid for and trained by the United States. Do you see why Russia's not happy about these guys at their border? Yeah. And like I said earlier, we had an issue with not wanting to do it. In 2015, Canada and the U.S. announced that they will stop supporting and training the Azov Regiment. because they're, I'm literally saying because they're Nazis. Uh, but the next year, 2016, the U.S. lifted the ban under pressure from the Pentagon. And so for one year, we stopped training them. Uh, and in 2019, 40 members of the U.S. Congress, uh, led by Representative Max Rose, uh, he signed a letter calling for the U.S. State Department to designate Azov as a foreign terrorist organization. Uh, it failed. The United States would not. And last, a- last April, uh, Congresswoman Elisa uh, Slotkin repeated the request, uh, which included other white supremacist groups as well to the Biden administration. Guess what's not happening? Yeah, that request. Biden doesn't want to condemn Nazis either. We, we, we can talk about uh, Ron DeSantis all we want. Biden refuses to acknowledge these Nazis. 
and say they're bad. I'm glad you said this, and this is another digression, but stick with me on this. I think it's a little more sinister because, like, you can ask Biden and DeSantis point blank whether or not they condemn Nazis, and Biden will be like, yes, I absolutely condemn Nazis. DeSantis will be like, why are you attacking me? And everyone will look at DeSantis and be like, yeah, he clearly is a Nazi. Biden will say that and then turn around and on paper support Nazis, which that, is a lot more discreet and insidious. It's yeah, exactly. But that thing is, Ron DeSantis will not refuse to dis- disavow them because they vote for him. He's doing it for votes. Biden will say, "I absolutely condemn them," because he's doing it for votes. If yep. Biden thought he would get more votes supporting Nazis, he would. And then after he says he doesn't, he sends them a check. Biden's worse than DeSantis. I would also Nazis. argue that in in the right circumstances, not. I think there's also a middle ground too that I think Biden would do. And I think this is true of any politician that's in the White House right now. But I think Biden would also first and foremost try to spin them as not Nazis so he could support them. That's good people on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, this Azov Battalion, it's not even like it's just a United States thing. Um, There's been transnational support for this stuff. It's been wide. Ukraine has actually emerged in the last decade as the new haven for the far right across the world. Um, People from all all the continents, like literally across Asia, uh, across Europe, traveled to the Ukraine and they joined the Azov units to see combat experience and so they can hang out with Nazis and learn how to shoot with Nazis. People literally go on vacation to go train with Azov so they can learn Nazi skills. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, In 2016, uh, by the way, Facebook uh, took a stand and they actually designated Azov Regiment as a dangerous organization. Didn't call them Nazis, but they did label them a dangerous organization. And under their policy, I think it was, yeah, it's it's the dangerous individuals and organizations policy, right? Under that, they actually banned Azov in 2019. Okay. A couple years ago. Uh, the group was placed under Facebook's Tier 1 designation, which includes groups like the KKK, ISIS, um, and users engaging in praise or support, representation. Anybody who says Azov's amazing, they get banned as well. Like they, it's, Facebook took a hard stance. But on the 24th of February this year, uh, the day Russia invaded, Facebook reversed the ban. Sounds about and white. And will now allow you to praise Azov all you want. Sounds yeah, about sounds, State Department. Sounds pretty white. Sure. I mean, yeah, the mayor's motto. You know, so that's what we got is we've got, you know, again, to wrap up, like January 6th protesters stormed Congress, uh, held the Congress people at gunpoint, had them nullify the Constitution, remove the president. Uh, the guy who was acting leader uh, was put there by the U.S. State Department. We handpicked him. We got the fucking recording got leaked showing that we said, yes, this guy. You know, he's a literal fucking Nazi. He puts Nazis in power, brings up the Azov. Again, look up Azov on on the internet. You'll see these guys are literally Nazis proudly displaying Nazi flags and Nazi symbols. You know, and then this this actor gets in there and he's super anti-Russian. And so they start trying to join NATO, right? And that's a bad thing. Putin basically says the entire time, do not fucking do this. I, I, I will fuck your shit up. Now, is that fair? Is it fair for Russia to dictate what another independent nation does? Fuck no. Not okay. Again, Putin bad. This isn't great. But Vladimir Zelensky, I, he's in an insta, instable position. He's got Nazis on one side, ultranationals Nazis on one side. He's got pro-Russians on the other, and he's neither. And he's not going to be able to walk that tightrope popularity forever. So he's super pushing to join NATO in the EU. He wants fucking backup. Um, and Russia doesn't want a giant potential enemy in, in the fuck Russia military alliance at the border. Um, so he threatened to invade. And then Zelensky called his bluff, refused to back down. And now here we are. 
that's what caused this. It is not Vladimir Putin rubbing his hands together like Nancy Pelosi at the State of the Union going, good, good. Like, no, this is him going, hey, don't don't join the we'll kill Russians organization or I'm going to have a fucking problem with you over there. And Zelensky said, you know, eat a fucking Kiska and uh, I don't care and I'm going to join it. And so he did. He started the process and Russia was like, cool, going to roll in some tanks now. And is that good? No. Again, I do not support Russia in this. Uh, They're going to kill a shit ton of people. They've already killed a shit ton of people. They're going to kill a shit ton more people, innocent people. But I don't support Ukraine either. This is a neo-fascist government that has literally, literally poked the bear. They chose to do this at every opportunity. They are led by Nazis, and they are now led by a president who, again, seems like a badass. Don't get me wrong. He's fucking running around like the American president from Independence Day. But he picked this fight, and the United States supported it every step of the way. And this has been an excuse to get sanctions through. This is this is, The State Department has been orchestrating this the entire time, knowing exactly what the Russian response was going to be. Russia bad, U.S. worse. Yeah, I actually saw a report on this um, that, like, apparently multiple third-party sources are saying that Putin's, like, kind of flabbergasted at how how well the U.S. intelligence is predicting his maneuvers. Like, that's been kind of a big talking point, like, apparently behind the scenes. And again, I have no, it's, it's unnamed sources, so take this with a grain of salt. But, like, apparently Putin did not expect the U.S. to have this level of intelligence on what he's doing, what's going on, and all this stuff. Which surprises me because Putin used to be KGB. He should fully be aware of what the U.S.'s spy capabilities are. And although he's yeah. really good at old school James Bond spy stuff, uh, no one beats surveillance than the U.S. Uh, the CIA, NSA, and uh, the Air Force are really good at this. They're really <laughs> fucking good at this. We know yeah. what Putin had for lunch via spy satellite every day. And I got to tell you, people are like, oh, World War Three, and they're going to nuke. That's actually not what I fear. Putin doesn't want to die either. It's not going to go nuclear. I am actually worried that Putin's going to nuke space and wipe out satellites. Oh, all Putin needs so to we do... can't go into space for fucking 80 years. Uh-huh. Uh, can, yeah. Imagine what would happen if our telecommunication system was gone. No Internet, no cell phones, nothing. There's no air traffic control anymore. Yeah, like, there's a lot can't, of stuff that just you goes can't away. fly. You can't see the news. We don't t- television isn't broadcast over the airwaves like it used to. You, you have an antenna on your roof, Matt? Okay. No. Nope. You guys got a TV antenna? Nope. nope. But that's all gone. You'll be cut off from the fucking world, and that is actually what I'm worried about provoking. Is that because the reason why everyone's like, oh, because these 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 Ukrainians are badass, and don't get me wrong, these Ukrainian freedom fighters have been badass, and I support partisan fighters. But at the end of the day, they're holding their own because Russia's playing nice. Because they don't want to completely flatten cities. But if you don't think Russian artillery could flatten Kiev in a matter of hours, you're crazy. Oh, yeah. They've got enough artillery. Yeah. They're trying not to flatten the nation. Because, again, they don't want to start World War III. They want to take over the Ukraine. And so there's a limit to war crimes. But... Again, what's the goal here? Because the U.S. has provoked this every step of the way. This is a way to get Russia screwed. This is a way to establish more financial dominance. And we're going to do the same thing to China. We're already talking about posturing for labeling uh, Tibet as an independent nation, which is the thing that has kept China from going to war with us is because we agreed to not say Tibet is a country. That's been going on for 50 years. 
And now yeah. the Senate is talking about for no reason, absolutely no reason, nothing brought this on. But Republicans are now saying we need to recognize Tibet. This is this is more State Department bullshit because the United States is spiraling down the drain. Our economy is in the shitter. And all we can do right now is take out our competition. And so yeah. this is where I this has been a history lecture. This is now turning into my tinfoil hat lecture. I think this the United States has a vested interest in taking Russia off the world stage as an economic partner. Well, the sanctions that are happening around the world are uh, doing it fairly quickly. Yep. But you need a good excuse to do that, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You need a, like a good war. excuse. And you need everyone else to go along with it. Yeah. And I'm really curious why we weren't sanctioned when we went into Iraq. Uh, why weren't we sanctioned with our, our, our support of Yemen? Why aren't we sanctioned for completely uh, taking over and destroying Libya and Afghanistan? Like, we invade sovereign nations all the time. Because we don't we're have part of the white person club. But so are Russia. That's the thing. Yeah, but, but crazy Russian bad. Yeah, Duh. Russian, Russian man bad. They're talking about they need to they want to bring Putin up on war crimes because it killed a couple hundred civilians. Like we use depleted uranium in, in, in Iraq. Fallujah is a toxic wasteland because we covered and peppered the entire city in depleted uranium, which, by the way, is illegal and a war crime. Mm hmm. So, again, when you're supporting Ukraine and saying Russia bad, don't do that standing on American soil. Because if you're going anything you can condemn Russia for, the United States, not only in our history is worse, today we are committing worse. And that needs to be examined. Yeah, and you know what was funny about this is like, I've seen, because you've made several posts about this, like you said, and, and, and the arguments are always the same. The thing that has convinced me the most to not give a shit about I stand with Ukraine and all that shit is literally everyone making the arguments to stand with Ukraine because it's never, it's never ever a good, sound, logical, rational argument. It's always just like, oh, so you support Putin. And it's just like, it's like you said, you've got to qualify everything nowadays. I mean, we do it all the time too. It's like whenever we condemn Biden, liberals immediately, oh, you, you fucking Trumpers. No, no Trump, fuck Trump too. You know, and, and same for reverse. The moment we could, we we insult Trump, all all the uh, the Trumpers are like, "Oh yeah, well Biden did this. Yeah, b fuck Biden too, dude. Like he, he's shitty also." And it's this weird thing. Like I just I can I can look at what's happening and I can have opinions on it. Like like you said, I think Zelensky, from what I've seen, sounds like a pretty stand up dude who just loves his country and is trying to do the best he can to make sure his country comes out on top. Cool. Is what Putin's doing good? No, Putin's. A piece of shit. Fuck Putin. He's bad. Does my heart go out to any civilians that are being caught in the middle of this? Fuck yeah, it does. Do I stand with Ukraine? No. I have I have no dog in that fight. I really don't. I didn't even know anything about, like you said, I didn't know shit about Ukraine until recently. Yeah, and, and all we know about this that we're getting fed is literal state propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. If you're consuming American media on this, our social networks are flooded with it. Every news network is flooded with this. Yeah, no it kidding. It is absolute propaganda because we know they're not talking about you know what the ukraine is doing uh they are pressing refugees into service which by the way you want to talk about a war crime men are not allowed to leave the country that's right men get to walk their children to the border and send minors off alone as refugees into poland to face luck, god everybody. knows what will happen to them because they have to stay and fight for the fatherland uh -huh. so no sorry i don't think Zelensky's a stand-up guy I think he's got a big pair of balls, and I'll give him that. 
He puts his money where his mouth is. He, the U.S. literally offered to fly him out of the country so we could establish a government in exile, and he refused. I give him credit for that. Oh, I should not know about that, but yeah, that's pretty yeah. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. He he basically said, "I don't want to ride. I want I need bullets." And see what happened there, folks. I learned something new, and it was really easy to be like, "Oh no, fuck that guy." You know what? Want to know why? Because I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not so emotionally and mentally invested in what's going on with a country that I had no idea about anything involving it until a few fucking weeks ago. That I have yeah. to just stand my ground and be like, "No, Zelensky's amazing," and start giving no. That shitty. That's fucked up. Yeah. He's literally pressing refugees into forced service. Um, oh, yeah. Fuck that. That is That's absolutely a war crime. Yeah. So, no. Zelensky, not good. And Ukraine, not good. Russia, not good. America, not good. NATO, super not good. Obviously, leading more credibility to the obvious that Russian that, that Trump was absolutely a Manchurian candidate and a Russian stooge, uh, which is why he spent his entire time excusing Putin and trying to tear down NATO. Um, and don't get me wrong, NATO sucks. I think NATO should be gone. There's no need for it anymore. We do not need a fuck Russia military alliance. No. However, that's not why Trump was doing it. Because again, the Russians are good at this game too. They're not the only player. We are the best at it, but the Russians, are they, they got a silver medal. And so I say all this, and the reason I make this big stink about it is not to be a contrarian, and not because I think Russia is great or Putin is great or that Ukraine, I hate Ukrainian people. No. It's that if we are going to pick sides and start condemning actions and making political stances, examine what those stances are and who you're actually supporting. Because just because it's popular to wave a blue and yellow flag and because you see Nancy Pelosi do it and you see Joe Biden do it and you see all over CNN and BBC and NPR about how awful Russia is and how just wonderful and squeaky clean Ukraine is, that's how you end up accidentally supporting Nazis. So take a look at this and look critically. And maybe you'll disagree with me. Maybe you'll see, you know, I've seen both sides and I, 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 I see that they're all dirty, but I really think the Ukrainians are on the right side. of. The, okay, and that's fine. You're allowed to have a different opinion than me, but have an informed opinion, not just because you gobbled down propaganda. Because we used to make fun of boomers for just swallowing all the way down to the balls state propaganda on social media but i'm sorry i'm seeing millennials and gen z do it even better oh yeah scroll through twitter and facebook and tell me how many profiles don't have a ukrainian flag in them right now yeah and i think where i land on that a little bit is like i think ultimately where i boil what i boil it down to is this a sovereign nation that's being invaded by another nation yeah is that good no and in that regard i'm just kind of like yeah dude like fuck russia for that that sovereign nation was invaded in 2014 by us, though, not the Russians. And that's the difference. Also bad. We put in a puppet government and told them to yeah. do this. But, and and that's cool. what it is. It's we're hanging out with a friend and we're throwing rocks at a beehive. And then the bees went and stabbed our friend. And we're like, stupid bees. It's okay to be mad at the bees and not be happy at the bees. But we threw the rocks. We knew yeah. this would happen. This was orchestrated. Yeah, a lot of people are like, fuck Russia in the first place because a lot of Americans just hate Russia. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like that's that's where I think a lot of this this fighting ends up being is is the the people on the on the Ukraine side will always default to some version of Russia bad, you know. And well, again, you can't they're have not fifty years of propaganda. Yeah, not have an effect. Yeah, and they're not wrong. I, I think, but I think that's where your point has merit too. It's like, yes, we can all agree that Russia is bad, but it's like it's kind of like he's with he who's without sin cast the first stone. It's like if it wasn't the pot calling the kettle black, it might matter more to me, you know. Yep. And I mean, we're running low on time. 
So listeners, I know we promised you some Joe Biden slamming. We're going to do that next week. We're going to cover the State of the Union address. I promise there's goodies in there for us. Because I do not want to neglect the mailbag of Mailman Matt here. He's been holding on to this thing. And hey, stuff Matt. Stuff is pouring in. <laughs> What's in your sack? <laughs> A whole lot, man. I have not blown my load in weeks. So here we go. So um, my first shout out I want to give is to uh, Jordan from the 805 podcast. Oh, you guys remember we had a couple weeks ago, I think it was like episode 59 or so, we had Daniel Wilson for Assembly on. It was a great interview. I wasn't here for it. I can't um, wait to have him on again. He wants to come back. Oh, good. Yeah, he was great. Daniel's awesome. Yeah, yeah he was He was an awesome guest. He was, he was a really good guy. But that all came from Jordan. Jordan is the one that actually messaged us on our Twitter account to kind of pitch him as a potential um, uh, guest. And so with that, I kind of reached out to to Daniel directly and it, it, it snowballed into what I think is one of the better interview shows we've done. Um, I, I, I just thought it was great. I, I'm sad I wasn't there for it, but you know, Jordan from 805 uncensored, he's got a great little podcast. He's an amazing dude. And I cannot thank you enough for that lead brother. Yeah. And, and Jordan's great. Um, he's a good guy. He puts his money where his mouth is very heavily active in his community. He's ha- active in his podcast. And so if you actually care about leftist issues like this, this is not a, a shameless plug that we've been paid for. I really recommend uh, the 805 Uncensored podcast. It's a really good hot leftist take um, mm-hmm. from an educated background. Um, who He does his research. He's not sitting here Joe Roganing and getting drunk and screaming in the void. Justin knows what the fuck he's talking about. Um, and it's a really good app show. And so I definitely, if you like our stuff, check out the 805 Uncensored. I think you'll like it. They're definitely a sister podcast to us. Very good. So the next one we got is from our buddy, uh, Eric. So Eric was kind of the winner of that listener bonus we did a while back. He's the, uh, the listener that we chose to have on. He talked to us about how he made that transition from, you know, growing up in an ultra conservative state with a lot of racist and clan members to go in full blown, uh, progressive. Uh, he was great to have him on. And shortly after that, he actually messaged us and I just, because I wasn't there and because other stuff was going on, I didn't get to give you this shout out to him, but, uh, he messaged us and said, uh, this, so in the spirit of the last episode, I figured you guys would appreciate some old fashioned Arkansas conservative cringe from way back when. And he showed me a screenshot of a post of his from February 7th, 2010. <laughs> And the post is annoy a liberal use facts and logic. <laughs> so speaking of posts that did not age well, uh, but I thought that was funny. So he's like, I looked through my memories on Facebook after the interview and it's just years worth of shit like that. It wasn't until you pointed it out that I realized how much better off I am now than I was in 2010. I did get that, Eric. I didn't ever get a chance to respond, but I wanted to save it for the shout outs and shout outs took a while. It's about a month after you sent that originally that we're finally doing it. But, you know, thanks for reaching out to us. And, and again, thanks for coming on, man. Your story was great. Uh, I still want to get other listeners. I know there's a few people that have mentioned, you know, having similar stories to you. And I'd honestly love to hear them because, you know, it's not something I hear a whole lot of. I, you know, most of us here, we all started off pretty left to begin with and just have gone further left as time goes on. So anyone that's yeah. got like, uh, you know, a story of how they went from right wing to leftist, always interested to hear it. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Eric. All right. So the last one is another one. This is from way back at the beginning of February. Uh, and, and we did respond to her in chat, but I wanted to do another shout out from our girl, Mabel. Uh, she sent us a message. Uh, what's up, Lefty Gang? Love the episode as usual. I think having one of your listeners on was an amazing episode. And again, this is in reference to Eric's uh, episode that he came on to talk about it. 
Uh, hearing his story was awesome. Hearing a story about meeting a trans person gave me hope in life that things can get better. So again, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but one of the big leaps for Eric was befriending somebody who was trans and learning about their journey was kind of what helped him move across the aisle that way. Yeah. You know, she says that I hope that y'all will have some other listeners on as well in the future. Can't think of a story this time, but I just wanted to give some appreciation. Can't wait for next Monday. Uh, Mabel, as always, we absolutely love you. That listener bonus was pretty popular. We uh, we are getting close to our next listener bonus. We're about five more subscribers away on Spotify, and we'll have another listener bonus ready to come up. So get your friends it, online, guys. Yeah, yeah, do it, and then we'll do I it. I just I just want to point out, by the way, because Mabel's awesome, that I'm clearly the favorite. Mabel does not write to us in our email. Mabel does not tweet us. Mabel hits us up on Instagram, and if you email us, you will definitely get Matt. And if you tweet us, you will get 50-50 chance you'll get Matt or I. But if you Insta, 90% chance you're getting me. And Mabel always chooses me. Um, I don't blame her. I'm amazing. Uh, humble as well. And Mabel recognizes this. Yeah. And yeah, makes absolutely. the right choice every time. I actually have a shout out I want to throw in here, by the way. And Mabel, okay. you're awesome. Uh, we had the, the host, um, Ryan, from Between the Liars on two episodes ago. And last episode, I was a guest on his show, Between the Liars. And yesterday, I got a piece of mail because he hit us up saying he wanted to give a sticker. So, A, we have received this dope, much-coveted, and beautiful Between the Liars sticker. Hey, look at that. Nice. I like it. Check this old school out. And and again, listeners, you can't hear this. I'm going to have Matt describe what I'm holding up to the camera right now. It is a handwritten thank you letter. A handwritten thank you letter. Basically, just saying, like, you're fucking great. Love your show. Thank you so much for being on. Keep us informed. These are good conversations. Like, just, I got to tell you, you know, Ryan and I disagree on, like, everything. But he's a good dude. He runs a good podcast. And I just wanted to shout that out. Of Thanks, man. That was Those little touches are pretty cool. And I like that we're building a lot of friends in the podcast community. Um, but yeah, I like that we've built this kind of friend group here. Like, uh, we, we got the progressive vibe podcast, one of our first podcasts jumping in, you know, we talk to him all the time and throw us a lot of traffic. We got, uh, thanks. I hate it. Uh, you guys were, I think our very first guests we ever had. No, those um, girls are amazing. Britain, fantastic. Lindsay are fucking yeah. dope. I love those girls. Yeah. And it was a Matt and I comment on their shit all the time. Um, uh, you know, again, 805 Uncensored, fantastic podcast. Between the liars, good podcast, like good dudes. It's like, I don't know. We've we've kind of built a lot of friendships uh in the podcast community, in the political podcast community. And I just wanted to say to all you who are actually listening, thanks. We we love it. This is what makes it fun. Thanks for engaging and just thanks for everyone who shows us love. Podcast or fan who emails us, whatever. We love you. Yeah, no, absolutely 100%. And then I've got one more shout out that I want to do that's important because this is a little, a little more personal, not podcast this related. This is bonus content. This yeah, is this is. Right here. So uh, our boy TD Gamer, aka Thaddeus, aka Thaddeus Gamer. What up, Thaddeus? I just want to say thank you, brother. So he sent me a really wonderful gift just for my child being born. Is that what I got to do to get gifts? Is have a, a kid? Yes. Oh, they're the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> 18 Ooh. fucking years worth. Um, but he actually uh, reached out to Chris, got my address, uh, and he sent me a wonderful gift. Oh, 
fuck what i, I gotta get the book because i gotta i gotta say the title of this book that he got it was a's for activist there we go there we go i knew it was a for something but i wanted to say organized and i know that wasn't it but yeah a is for activists it, it's basically this activist book for little kids and it is amazing it is probably of all the gifts that we've gotten uh for my for my kid this is probably my absolute favorite uh because it, it was really heartfelt and he didn't have to do it and, and it's actually the first official thing that i think we have gotten from a listener for this podcast. Um, not that, you know, it's expected by any means. I'm I'm hundred percent grateful for it. And please, you guys don't have to give us gifts or anything, but that really meant a lot. So uh, TD gamer, Thaddeus, AKA Tim. Uh, I love you, man. Thank you for that. Uh, and then one last shout out uh, because she still listens after all this time uh, to my beautiful Bye, wife. Mom. No, well, her too, but my beautiful wife, Raquel, um, she has been an absolute amazing partner, lover, friend, and she gave me two beautiful children. And so if you're listening to this, baby, uh, I love you with all my heart and you are a fucking warrior and thank you for everything you do for me. And thank you to you two, Chris and Kay, because uh, without you, we wouldn't have done this. That is, that is very true. So, I'm, Chris I'm is very a, caring. That's what I yeah. mean. We have also given yeah. you children, but Matt keeps giving them back to the people we take them from, which I think is pretty fucking ungrateful. <laughs> right. But I will say this. Kay is, Kay is very tender and loving. Chris is, is very powerful, but surprisingly tender in the sack. Yeah. It's, it's like he was built uh, in, a mach- in a lab for everyone's pleasure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. It, it is the best 10 seconds you'll ever have in your life. <laughs> true, folks. True. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've got for now. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have some more. But uh, yeah, thanks for letting me catch up on that, guys. Yeah, and please keep filling it up because now we're empty. So email us, tweet us, Instagram us, hit us up. We love fucking hearing from you because all Matt has to do is watch children and cry. So give him something else to do and and please email us and tell us we suck. Tell us we're great. I don't care. Just hit us up. Um, and that's going to do it for us. So I know we had to cut we had to cut out the uh, the State of the Union stuff. We wanted to go into it, but Ukraine just took a minute. It's almost like it's some kind of quagmire. Weird. Who would have guessed? And I'm sure that's not the last we'll talk of it. This is unfolding as it will. And I'm pretty sure this podcast will be outdated two weeks from now. But you guys are amazing. And we love all of our listeners. Thank you for being here again. Thank you for sticking with us through our hiatus. Um, you are just absolutely the tits. And until then, come back here next week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And remember, kids revolution is you.